Okay, I had Michael make me a slide. I think it might be ready. Michael, if you want to just put this up there. This is not deep, but this is about as deep as you and I should get. Um, have you seen this before, right? Nothing earth-shattering, nothing like wow. Or, of course, maybe you haven't saw it before. I remember the first time I saw it, I thought, man, that is cool. Basic instructions before leaving earth. So putting that up there to just kind of remind you, are you planning on going in the rapture if it happens today? I mean, if you plan on going, if the rapture happens tomorrow, you plan on going to heaven if you are to die today? So, in other words, this book gives those, those instructions on how we are to conduct our life and how we are to live. Basic Christianity 101 instructions that God will give us how we should live, how we should conduct our lives, what we should do, where we should go, what we should say, how we should say, all that stuff is right there in the Word of God before you and I decide to leave earth, whether it's through death or through this great rapture that I think is soon coming around. So, with that, I say that because I have fear that even myself, we don't hear. We have ears, but we don't hear. It's, it's amazing. We have eyes, but we don't see. So, again, I trust and pray that the Spirit of God will help us both and in, even including me. First one we want to look at is Hebrews 10.25, and I think that we look at this scripture all the time and figure it's most likely a pastor's pet peeve scripture to um, fill up his church, okay? But this, this is basic instructions before leaving earth, all right? Basic instructions. And it says this, that you and I are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, very simple pop quiz. Question one and only question one. Do you see the day approaching? Man, I mean, you've got to be crazy, right? Not to. You can see the day approaching where we are now starting to be persecuted and soon will be prosecuted. Anybody read uh, Fox on uh, Houston lately? Want to go live in the city of Houston? Let me see the hands. You know what's going on in Houston? Who doesn't? All right. They elected a um, lesbian mayor, and she decided to subpoena the pastors. And they, had to, they didn't, but they're supposed to, by law, bring in all their sermons that have to do with gender-related or homosexuality using the law, persecution to prosecution. Now, they're fighting it. For some reason, Houston has elected this lady, and for some reason, they wanted um, now, they want gender restrooms, meaning, you know, that you're not sure which way you lean, so they're gonna, uh, you can just go to any restroom you want. Isn't that nice, ladies, for you? If I feel like being a lady today, which, lying through my breath, I can walk right into the lady's restroom and check all you out. Professing to be wise, we became, sweet Jesus, please help us. Please help us, Lord. This is insane. So now, the Word of God tells us, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting, exhorting, speaking to each other, speaking into each other's lives, talking about the things of God. Hey, let me tell you what God's done for me today. And then you speak that into someone's life, and they're going, oh my gosh, that was the same thing God did for me. That was on my mind. It's exhorting one another. And even more, 
as you see the day approaching. So you're all going to heaven, you told me, and you all understand and see the day approaching. Now, let's look at verse 24 before this one. Because, see, you're, you're missing your point. You're missing your job, what you're supposed to be doing. Look at the first few words of 24. This is what you're to do. Whenever we're having a, a service, a function, a fellowship, a gathering of something, no matter what it is, word, praying, fall festival, whatever it is, God says this, now let us consider one another. Not whether you feel like doing something, whether you want to go, I'm too tired, I'm too much involved already. God tells us through the anointing and the written word, consider one another. Look, unto love and to good works. We you and I are to not forsake ourselves coming together because God is saying that's a perfect opportunity for you to look to someone, someone that you could speak, someone that you could encourage, someone that might come to the fall festival down in the dumps and you speak words of encouragement to them. Or you can stay home and watch the Buckeyes for Pete's sake. Or whatever it is. Whatever we do. Do you understand? you understand? We don't understand our role in this. Someone. I just keep using Fall Festival because it happened yesterday, all right? Someone who might have been lingering or walking around or struggling. Don't know whether they fit in or should they come or, well, I'm going to try to go. I don't know about God. Could have been the very one you roasted a hot dog beside. Oh, what's your name? Oh, well, I'm Lenny. And there you go. But the wealth of the Word and the knowledge and everything that you have inside of you that God has given you, you keep it and you sit on it. Look, this is what the Word of God is saying. This is your basic instructions. You are to provoke unto love unto good works. You are to consider everybody else, not you. And then it goes, by the way, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together because this is where you can do it. You can be my ministers in a wiener roast. So, God says, let us consider, let us regard one another. Yes, yes, when you don't feel like it and you're too tired. I mean, I heard a great little clip from a guy who's talking about you should go to bed exhausted. I know you got to work and you got to cut grass and you got to fix the hot water tank, but you got to work for the Lord and you got to be a servant of the Most High God every day. Yes, as you see the day approaching, then what? Well, I got to back off. I got to cut, cut my own cost. No, you got to do that much more. Is what the Word of God says. So if you were the divine tool that God was going to open up His toolbox and use, look for that tool to use to help that saint yesterday, and you just not want to stay home. We're missing the point of what the church or what a little fall festival might turn out to be. I don't know. We're not thinking proper. Forsaking fellowship is a sure way to give place to discouragement because you're all alone. And Lenny's not there to pump me up when I'm like this. 
because he's off doing something else that he shouldn't be doing because he doesn't understand or I don't want to do it. And so when he could be speaking into my life, Thanks, Lenny. You don't know how much I needed to hear that. Over a hot dog. We don't think clear. Your ministers, high priests. We had a nice turnout yesterday. Don't think it was just me and Ruth. You're, you're missing it already. I'm just using that because it's fresh in my mind. And that's, I had fun. I did this and that. But I had some great conversations also. So as you forsake, you give place to discouragement because you're alone. And then this discouragement festers uh, where God's people are called to be exhorting one another. Having a great time talking about the blessings of God. Or you're sitting at home going, oh, God doesn't love me. And you can be sitting on a swing with some other saint going, isn't this awesome what God has done for us? That's powerful. That's not trivial. It's what keeps your heart pumping and your blood going. When people speak the things of God into your life. Drop little bits of faith into your heart. Many people go to the house of God or go to the church only when they feel they need it. But our motivation really should be fellowship and obeying God and looking unto others. Who I might be able to help, aid, pray for, speak to, hug. We should be, everything we should do should be looking to encourage others to hang in there. Because you know that despair and fear, loneliness, and God telling you, I don't love you. You believe it's God telling you that stuff? God's like, no problem. I got these three or four hundred preachers all over the place going to speak into your life. But you've got to understand your role. Make yourself av- uh, available to God. And it goes so much more as you see the day of Jesus returning. I mean, it is. It's drawing nigh. It's nearer and nearer. And so should your commitment be. More and more and more and more. Don't forsake the assembling. Don't. Uh, Adam's statement he made to his elementary children was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Get to understand your role in God and what God expects to you. And then God calls you before his throne and says, if you do these two things, remember. Oh, it was just, I'm like, are you kidding me? It's just awesome. Be where you're supposed to be. Be there Sunday morning where you're supposed to be. Be where you're supposed to be and do what you're supposed to be doing. That's it. Close the book. Over call. Let's do it. Yes. Silence is loud. It's the truth, is it not? We're not doing what we're supposed to be, so we're off doing things we're not supposed to be doing. And what does that spell? Trouble, doom, destruction. It does. So, understand, look, if you understand why we're, whatever we do here, however many times we come together, then you need to understand my role in this is to pray for God. Give me eyes to see someone 
I can speak to. And then do it as God's minister. Not so I'm going to stupid phone and just sit outside in a dumb fire. And... That's what the enemy does to us and discourages us. Instead, you could be there, sit right down, find someone you don't know. And speak. Hi, I'm Carol Fields. Hi, I'm Tim Fields. Oh, it's just awesome. What happens when we don't do what we're supposed to be doing and be where we're supposed to be? What happens? Well, we can look real quick, real fast. 2 Samuel 11. David knew where he was supposed to be and knew what he was supposed to be doing. Okay? 2 Samuel 11, 1 says, And it came to pass after the year was expired. Here's what he's supposed to be, be doing. It was time when the kings go forth to battle. That's what he was supposed to be doing. But David sent Joab, his servants, with him in all Israel, and they destroyed. David was not where he was supposed to be or doing what he was supposed to be doing. He sent someone else to do it. And then verse 2 says, And it came to pass in the evening, David arose from off his bed because he's bored and walking around, having no purpose. You know the story, right, already. All of a sudden sees this dame washing in a bathtub off the top of his roof, something he was never supposed to be, a place he was never supposed to be or doing. Inquires about her, have sex with her. Even, even the, uh, his servant said, um, she ha- she's a wife of somebody. This is why I put up on a screen, I came across this saying last week, a bored man or human, human being is a dangerous person if you're bored. Because you'll uh, surf the net, surf the TV, You'll do something you're not supposed to be doing. What'd you do last night instead of coming speaking into people's lives? What'd you do? If you had to work, bless your heart. If you died, I guess I'll find out later. I don't know. What else? Seriously, what else? See, we don't look how important our role is. You don't. You don't understand your role. And it's basic instructions. And I know the excuses. I've used them. Invented some, probably. I think an excuse that's uh, been invented in the ministry, and then now you guys have copped out on it also, is that I'm burned out. You better hope you don't get burned up. How can you get burned out when you've got God moving inside of you? God compelling and telling you, wanting you to speak on behalf of His name, anointing you, giving you power. Oh, you'll go to bed exhausted, but you won't be burned out. How could Paul not get burned out? Night and day in the deep, beaten thrice, 39 stripes, stoned, left for dead. If he could not crawl up out of that and say, you know what, I'm burned out. And he was just a dude. You've got to understand as you see the day approaching so much more. You must, you must. Because when it hits and it's about to hit, you're going to scatter. 
when you should be drawn together to receive strength and power. As we truly cry out trembling in fear when it hits. I wonder how many of those sheep came to the pastor's rescue when they got subpoenaed. Or how many went to a different church. It's at our door. You remember the, the lesson I uh, preached a long time ago called Lion's Tracks? You, you remember why I got that message? Because I went out one day all by myself over there on a Saturday evening. It was still kind of twilight day or whatever you want to call the thing. And I saw these huge dog prints all over the porch of the... And I'm like, oh my gosh, where's this beast? And so I got that idea of lion tracks, lions walking all around us, and we don't even know it. I saw them again yesterday. Yesterday, running around, uh, setting up. They were all over the back deck porch. And I thought, you filthy scum. He's back. It's the truth. He's right on our doorsteps. And it's actually, they were all over the steps. You can go over there and look to me. After church, when you help Adam, straighten up. <laughs> All right, now look, let's get into the, this is, this is actually the, the, just the beginning of a message somewhere else, but it just went so great with this. So here we go, it says, Ephesians 2.10, listen to what you are, is your basic instructions. Uh, we are his workmanship, and we are created in Christ Jesus for what? Isn't it up there? Okay, you can talk. For what? Good works. Say it. Good works. You and I were created for that in Christ. For good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Walk in what? The good works. This is why he took time and his workmanship created this for you to be. How stupid would it be if these flowers are truly real and say, I don't want to give off good flowers. I don't want to give off good smile. I don't want to look pretty. This is why we're here to create it. God's craftsmanship has made us to do this. Works means business, employment. That which one is, is to be occupied. I'm to be occupied. I don't feel like it. You are to be occupied to speak into someone else. Consider one another. Provoke them in love. Uh, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like being orange and brighty today. Luke 2, 4, 9 says, And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Oh, they're all clamoring. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? He said, Don't you even know that I must be about my father's business? It's father and son. It's father and son's. It's his business. You've been blessed to be pulled into this business. Given such an opportunity. His craftsmanship. You're wired for it. And he calls you to it. And you say, no thank you. I'm busy. Buckeyes are on. Steelers are on. Pirates are independent. Uh, World Series is on. HG showing homes. Whatever. Whatever we do. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, 
but according to His own purpose. Open my toolbox. Look for my hammer. God said, oh, there's a hammer. No, I don't want to be a hammer. Put me down. I don't want to be used as a hammer. Let me go. Let me go. That's what you were created. You see it, right? It's all over the place. So this is not just a made-up message. This is what you and I are called. This is your basic instructions before leaving earth. Are you going to stand before Almighty God? And he says, okay, Lenny, what would you do? I get perms. You understand you're all going to be called before him. Every one of us is going to stand before Almighty. And you're not going to be able to turn him off like you can me. You're not going to be able to be disgusted and leave and go to another church. There's not another God you're going to stand before. Not another throne room. So these are great basic instructions before you leave and face him. And this is what it is. God says, this is what you are to do. He hath saved us, called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ before the world began. Isaiah 43, 7. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. That's why you're created. Not to collect doorknobs, collect cars, collect baseball cards, collect baskets, collect keys, collect golf balls. Is all that sin? No. Not if it's in its right place. But if it comes before what you were created for by the craftsman, then yes, it is. Look, for I have created you for my glory. I'm putting names. For I have created, give me someone I don't always use all the time, Mike Sims for my glory. That's why he's here. That's why he's sucking air and breathing right now. For the glory of God. But there's more to it than just that. There's a reason. So God says this, For I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Okay, this created for my glory means that God not only has created Mike Sims, but that he has created him for a purpose. This, and this is you I'm speaking to, me. If we have no creator in all this kind of thing, then this is purposeless. Let's, let's forget it. Drink, have fun, and be merry. If this is just it. You know this is not it. That's why you're here. God has created us, and he did it for a purpose, asking us, uh, creating us for his glory. And so the big thing is, okay, God, what's that mean? What's that mean? Okay, now I'm going to kind of use something I had found that I thought was kind of cool here. Most Christians are not happy people. Because you're not doing what you were called to do. Oh, I have to work. I know, but you're not called to be that person. You're not a teacher. You're a person who is employed, and you are a teacher. But you aren't being. That's not your being. That's not your reason for existence. When you think that is, and you try to make that be, it is, and you're not happy. 
Humanity, you and I have been designed to give God glory. But God did not create humanity because he needs his ego built up. I mean, all you got to do is go, you know what, I, I feel like having another star. Star, poof, there it is. So he hasn't created us to build up his ego. God has no unmet need. He's perfect love. He's perfect fellowship. He's perfect mercy. There's no unmet need. He is sufficient within himself. God is the giver. Man is the receiver. Okay. God commands us to love, serve, obey, and glorify him. But it's for our benefit, not for him. He doesn't get a swelled head because you're going, you Lord, I worship you. He doesn't. Okay, here's that little analogy. It's, it's a little weak, but it makes its point. It'll help you how you are to glorify God. A healthy couple, as a healthy couple is to birthing babies, so is God to creating humanity. Now listen, let me read this. It is an unhealthy couple who says, let's have babies so we, have, so we will have someone to love us. Let's have babies so I can have someone to love me. Let's have children so they will serve us. Uh, boy, I need a drink. Let's have children so we can boss them around. All of you, get over there. Let's have children so we can get praise from their success. That's, that's an unhealthy. On the other hand, here's the healthy couple who says, because we have an abundance of love in our marriage, let's share it. Let's have babies who will look like us, have our life within them, and love like us. That's, your, that's how you glorify God, by doing that last part. Then they can enjoy the intimate love relationship with us. It is this couple's pure love that motivates them to give their children life. And so when God speaks life into you, you do what he says in return, and it glorifies God. And everybody sees it out there. Jeremiah says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yes, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. We're missing the point. You're missing, I don't go to a stupid fall festival. I don't like outside anyway. Well, that's all about you. When it should be, who can I go there and bless somebody by whatever God, whatever. Don't you ever just sit around? Have you ever just sat around and looked and just say, who else can I use for Jenny Foss said, well, she looks sad today. I want to go speak something. I want to tell her I love her. Give her a hug. See, this is supernatural. Fall festival, supernatural. It can be supernatural. 
Here's what's happened to us, though. This is going to be in the New Living Translations, Deuteronomy 32. He makes this declaration. Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words that I say. This is amazing. Give ear, O heavens, and hear, O earth. Moses begins by asking for attention, not only from the people of God, but from all creation. Get this, O heavens, and all the earth, and the people of God. He's demanding everybody's attention. Let my teaching fall on you like rain. Let my speech settle like dew. Let my words fall like rain on tender grass, like gentle showers on young plants. Apparently, he's worried you're not going to hear like I am. Verse 3 says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. How glorious is our God. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just the, uh, and how just and upright he is. And then he pushes the clutch in and shifts gears. The accusation. The child has forsaken its father. Here's what comes in verse 5. But they have acted corruptly towards me when they act so perversely. So they really, uh, so are they really his children? They are deceitful and a twisted generation. God he's declaring all this great stuff, telling the heavens and the earth to listen. Everything that I had told you before this, why you were created. For the purpose of God, his workmanship, everything to speak Consider, regard other people. We've become selfish. Our curtains are drawn. I don't care what our neighbors are doing. It's bleeded over. So he shifts gears and starts laying out the accusation. In this, the way you re- is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Isn't he your father who created you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of long ago. Think about the generations past. Think about your good-for-nothing life before God. That shouldn't offend you. That should make you give God praise. You and I were scoundrels, a wretch like me. So God even tells us, look, Moses is saying, do you remember that? Verse 8 says, when the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of people according to the number in his heavenly court. For the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. He found them in a desert land. That's where he found you. And in empty, howling wasteland. That's where God found you. He surrounded them and watched over them. He guarded them as he would guard his own eyes. We were drilling in metal the other day, and we're going, like, we don't want, I'm guarding my own eyes. And God says, I do that for you. Verse 11 says, like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over the young, so he spread his wings to take them up and carried them safely on his pinions or wings. The Lord alone guided them. They followed no foreign gods. He let them ride over the highlands, feast on the crops of the fields. He nourished them with honey from the rock, olive oil from the stony ground. He fed them yogurt from the herd and milk from the flock. 
together with the fat of the lambs. He gave them choice rams from Bashan, goats together with the choicest wheat. You drank the finest wine made from the juice of grapes. But Israel soon became fat, unruly. The people grew heavy, plump, stuffed. Then they abandoned God. I don't feel like going. Who made them? King James, verse 15 says this, But Jeshurun waxed fat, kicked, thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, listen, which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. That's what happens to us when we forsake and we drift little by little by little. Come on, let's go. Ah, I don't want to go. Definition of Jeshurun. I would like to think uh, I could be called an upright one. I want to be called upright one. I don't want to be called good for nothing one. I want to be upright. Jeshurun became fat and rebelled. Means that you and I, we became fat, bloated, and gorged with the blessings that have come upon us in the goodness of God. And so when something gathering comes, the reason why you're created, God looks for the hammer, no hammer. Looks for the screwdriver, no screwdriver. Looks for the wrench, no wrench. And I'm believing because you just don't understand your role in this. I hope it's not because you're stiff-necked and hard-hearted. Please, don't, don't even go there. Fill in the blanks. It's more blessed than to... You want blessed? Give. Hey, I'll cook you a hot dog. Oh, that's silly. I don't think so. Not if you're using it to minister to open up a conversation. I've seen you a few times. I haven't got a chance to meet you. What'd you like on that hot dog? Yeah, here. Bless you. And you start talking. No one has a harder time talking to people than me. Ruth, I told you, was in uh, PA last Sunday, they'll testify because I said it right to them. I'm walking all around here trying to shake hands, can't everybody, trying to get ones I don't usually get. It's easy to go up to Lenny Trees and say, yo! <laughs> but not those that I don't know that well and they know who I am. It's like, ooh, squeak, Going all the way around, all the way around, I went just like Ruth. Come all the way down, went to uh, Marsha and Bruce, and maybe even Kim heard me, and I went, whew, this is hard being Ruth. against everything in me. But God says, buddy, do it. What do I say? Yes, Lord. Yes, Master. I don't do it as good, but I do it. So, next thing that happens after we get stuffed, gorged, waxed, fat, don't want to be used by God, say no. The reason, very reason that you were created was to glorify God. And to respond and show his loveness that he showed in you. You give it back. People see it. Glorify God. You speak into someone's life. No! Then the next thing that comes up is, then you stop living for God and for the purpose of God, which is to glorify God. And I got one listening. <laughs> we stop living for God. You stop. 
It's the very purpose why you were created by this great workmanship, this craftsman, to speak into the lives of people. And you don't do it. Ezekiel uh, 16.49 says, Behold, this was the iniquity, iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Listen, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. Now, just for, for last night only, what did you do? When you could have spoken to someone's life about the things of God. Well, I got called away. My aunt had a heart attack. Great. I understand that. Right, okay. But what did you do? Because you are God's people that do it. So what would you do? An abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Man, hey, let me tell you. So glad. I was thinking about you all day. Here you are sitting right beside me. And you speak. Please hear. Don't get bent out of shape. Hear. And say, you know what? I won't do that again. I didn't realize this enemy. A bored man is a dangerous man. You're off into things that you shouldn't be off into. That, that always happens to us. Ecclesiastes 10.18 says, By much slothfulness the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands the house droppeth through. That's what's happening to the church. The house is dropping through by idleness of all the saints that God has in this huge toolbox and he can't find a hammer. Okay, listen real intently. Don't freak out, grandmas. All you cute little babies that have just arrived, they are not to dominate your time. We had four. That doesn't carry any weight, does it? You had four. You still serve God. You still serve God. God did not bless you with his inheritance to take you from his work that you were created for. You know what he done? Oh, let me get this right. They said it in our video. All God has done has given you live messengers to go and live in an era and time where you won't. Do you understand that? I'm going like this. I'm not there yet, but I can tell I'm going down. And my, my boys are strong and going. They're going to go long into a place I can't go. That's why God's gave you them. Not to just carry the name of lions, but to carry the name of the lion. God, long before you peter out and fall and end up in heaven. That's awesome how God has done this. Oh, it's just awesome. And we keep getting duped by the enemy. I don't feel like I'm too tired. I fight that and wrestle that myself. Ecclesiastes 10, 18, what we just read, pictures the fall of a nation. And that's what's happening to our nation. It is falling, not because of who elected. He's not helping. But it's falling because the church is letting the roof fall in. The decay of the church. And your and me, the church. We're into a, this, this gospel that has been going on for, I don't know, 20 years. This me, myself, and I gospel has killed the American church. Killed it. Because you're, uh, what that has done is just made you, now. This, I mean, for me now, and you've forgotten about all the ones that God created to make you, to minister to. Oh, it's so sad. 
So that's the fall of the nation. Those, this, that, that whole verse 18, that whole thing. Leaders who are foolish, selfish, concerned only for their own pleasures in God. It's all about the me gospel that has destroyed the America that you love. So what can I do? Yeah, well, I'm going to go vote too. Oh, yes, I am. I'm going to vote. But my bigger role is to be what God has called me to be. I mean, what really, really, what is the better solution? Vote Obama out or lead him to Christ? See, if you just let him to Christ, I mean, truly let him to Christ. Not a political Christian, a real Christian. You see, your, your calling is much higher. Don't get me wrong, though. No. I'm planning on voting. But there is a greater duty that you've been called to do. Luke 15, 12 says this, New Living Translation. The younger son told his father, this is the me gospel, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. That's the beginning of that me gospel way back then. I want it now. Heap to me what's mine now. I've come to get mine. And just what happened in his personal life is what happened to the American church. He's went out and squandered on wasteful living, just like we have. When you should be, you know, trying to do your praying, trying to read your Bible, coming to the house of God, getting a feel for God, getting the senses readjusted to hear from God, go to a little fall festival, see someone over there and think, man, I feel like God wants me to talk to them. And you go talk. And it has heartbreaks. And you minister. Or you stay home and root for the Buckeyes. Now look, we're to be like Christ. Matthew 20, verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. You know, when the Lord sat around a fire and ate something, he did a lot of ministering. He ministered a lot of times, didn't he? Around a fire, laid back. So you missed opportunity yesterday. This is that B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before you're tired, who's not? Your knees hurt, who's don't? Right? I mean, your husband's acting like a jerk, which husband doesn't? I mean, what the, whatever. Christians are bored because they're not doing anything. I'm telling you, you need to get Adams. We need T-shirts. Be where you're supposed to be and do what you're supposed to be doing. People of God. I don't know. Maybe I had four conversations last night. Good ones, other than hello and hi and Man, great cookies or whatever. And even those could minister to someone who doesn't feel very important. So let's just say I had four. Let's say five. I don't know how many were here. I don't know. But what if everybody had four good conversations? People about God stirring. 
That whole place, they've been floating home. Ministered to by everybody. Everybody ministering to. You're giving and speaking to someone's life, and then you walk away, and something, someone comes over and starts talking to you. Please understand the importance of this. This is what will make us solid and tight and be able to withstand the onslaught that's coming. That's here. Let's stand now, please. I believe the Lord wants to challenge you this morning. I believe the whole reason for this. Look, if you're taking this as a boxing match and you're the dummy and I'm just having my good old shots up here, you've missed it. You've missed it. That's not what this is all about. This is God saying, tell my people. Encourage them. I want to challenge them. Let them know why they are here and alive and created. The Lord wants you to accomplish things you can't do. That's why it's called supernatural. Look, I know the state of the church, and it's bad. It's sad. It's kind of like just the event. Right here in Matthew 12, it says, And behold, there was a man which in his hand, his hand was withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him? His hand has withered. And he can't function. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thy hand. Withered means shrunk, wasted, dry, lifeless. This is a type of the church in America. No commitment, no involvement. Thick, fat, laid back. Leave it up to someone else. Man, we're withered and God wants to heal it. Wants to make you full of life and energy, purpose. Both hands on the plow for God. As he stretched forth, he had to stretch it forth. As he stretched it forth, it was restored whole. Psalms 85, 6 came to me then. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? It's not too late. Can't use that excuse. Oh, it's been too late. I've wasted so much time. It's been too long. God brings life to that which is dead. You understand all those plagues? God took dust. Dust. What good is dust? And he brought life out of the dust. Even those plagues, lice came from the dust. Fleas or whatever it was, he, bring, he could bring life from dirt. I'm from dirt. Please, you're being buffaloed. You're being bamboozled. You're being duped. Oh, and all the energy of heaven wants to go through you and minister to you. Here we go, right before you got a song, Michael. And it came to pass as they were burying a man. You're dead. Let's just say you're dead, spirit. You ain't done a darn thing for God. You're dead and going to be buried. As they were burying a man, behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast a man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up to his feet. Dead bones of a man of God. Dead bones. You understand what God can use? He can use a wooden carpeted altar. From the time you stretch forth and come down and touch it, bam, God could hit you with life again. Put that purpose, 
drive it into you why I'm here. Your purpose. That's why everything in the kitchen sink has come against you. To keep you licking your own little wounds and staying home. So we're going to stand to our feet like we are. And as you come, truly, I want you to ask God, God, make me alive again. Make me alive again, Lord Jesus, for the work of Almighty God. Father, quit helping me put me, myself, and I before. Lord, help me to put myself out for others. Oh, I'll get stabbed again. Yes, you will. But God is the healing balm of Gilead. He'll heal you. He'll touch you. You'll be all right. You won't die. You won't shrivel. Please realize how important your role is as we build a ministry to go long ahead, Lord Terry's, all of our lives. Be a part of it. Don't miss that opportunity. Come. Come quick to the altar before the enemy talks you out like he does every week. Oh, I've done this before. Then do it again. Do it again. Say, God, just because I'm older now, God, don't let me start stopping. Don't let me start giving up. I've mentioned my plan about my own life. Everybody has me out the door. I'm not going anywhere. 